Hi guys, welcome to the Katie Helper Show. You can hear the Katie Helper Show on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show, where you can get bonus content, extra interviews, extended interviews. So I'm doing a kind of breaking news um, rapid response release. What's happening today is that um, there's going to be a debate and a vote on Yemen, um, something that uh, Senator Sanders has put forward with Mike Lee. And also, uh, in, also in Congress, um, in the House, the evil Paul Ryan is trying to block Ro Khanna's resolution um, to stop the slaughter in Yemen. So what I'm doing is I'm releasing an interview that we just did on Tuesday, um, last night, if you're hearing this on Wednesday, with Walker Bragman. And then I'm releasing, in this same episode, an interview we did with, I did with Rabia Altabani, which was recorded the day of the Bernie Sanders resolution vote, which basically moved it forward. And today is the they're they're returning to that that resolution. The important thing is both uh, Congress and Senate are trying to pass a really important resolution that would stop the U.S. support of the bombing of Yemen. And uh, yeah, you can follow the hashtag Yemen Can't Wait and follow the hashtag OpDesanitize, um, which is Walker Bragman's hashtag, which highlights all the violence and the really disturbing images uh, of the dead people of Yemen. Okay. By the way, um, someone wrote a piece, I'm not kidding, calling for Joe Biden to run for president. And guess who they think uh, should run with him? Uh, uh, Lieberman. A Mormon version of Lieberman. Oh, wow. Uh, someone from the Beehive State? Uh, native of Utah? <laughs> I didn't know the Beehive State was a term, but you very generously gave me that hint. You must have seen it in my eyes, right? Like yeah. something didn't click. It's called the Beehive State. Do you know why? Uh, because why. because Mormons work together as one big oh, hive. Oh, that's interesting. They're busy bees. Busy bees. They are busy bees. I mean, bees. I'm just throwing that out there. But oh, okay, <laughs> um, look it up, guys. Yeah, they want Mitt Romney. Someone wrote a thing about Mitt Romney and why he should run with Joe Biden. They were like, how can how can the Democrats sort of uh, walk further across the aisle into conservative uh, right wing thinking? Right, and lose even more uh, than they lost last time. <laughs> like, to the extent that this is a shaking up the status quo time, which we saw, I think, in 2016, like, you couldn't get worse than sure. Joe Biden and Mitt Romney. Yeah, just to, you know, and I don't care that they're old white guys. But, yeah, uh, that aside. The optics, man, come on. The optics, the, the politics. Yeah. Why don't they just get Zell Miller and Strom Thurmond to run together, <laughs> bring them back from the dead? That would be a good look. So that was in Politico that someone wrote that. Um, no one's really talking about Yemen which is really disturbing. Luckily, we have a guest on to talk about that. Well, you know, we get so much money from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there are buds. That, uh, that it would be, you know, a little indiscreet. And Trump, bless his heart. I mean, I'm glad that he, t to his credit, he just admitted what everyone hides, right? Which is that he wasn't going to sanction Saudi Arabia or punish Saudi Arabia for um, dismembering someone. And he, But yeah, and he said it in a way that seemed really 
not to defend him at all, no. but like you get it when he's like, "Look, we got we got a lot of investments there. We got a lot of money there. What are you telling us that we're not going to sell them arms? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, I That's thought where yeah. we make all of our money. Yep, he takes the mask off. Whereas you know, another president might say something like, "Well, look, uh, we need to have a fair and open dialogue right. about uh, increasing humanitarian concerns right. Right. and uh, addressing them." People are constantly tweeting and writing about these fantasies they have of Trump being like arrested. Or, you know, the CIA and FBI, the intelligence community, like, finally putting him into jail, I guess, so Mike Pence can be president, which wouldn't be great. Um, People are talking about that a lot. But why don't they just talk about Saudi Arabia and Yemen? Like, if you want to... If, if you want to spend your time criticizing Trump, which is a good thing, talk about the undocumented, talk about what he's doing uh, with the caravan, the alleged caravans, which is a terrible name. Right. I think the optics of a million starving Yemenis. Yes. Is uh, what might be needed yeah. to uh, bring the outrage home. So, on today's show, we speak to Walker Bragman, who is an independent journalist and cartoonist, and his bylines include Pace Magazine, The Intercept. HuffPost, Salon, and The Hill. He's based in New York, and he's been covering Yemen. And he has a really important Twitter account called OpDesanitize, which keeps getting canceled, thrown off, shut down by Twitter. On this episode, we talked to two really great guests. We talked to Walker Bragman, and we talked to Rabia Altaibani, who is an organizer a Yemeni-American organizer and activist. And this is our Yemen episode because no one is talking about this, which is really disturbing. So, Walker, welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. So tell us what your involvement is um, in terms of Yemen coverage, because you sadly occupy a unique place. So I, as of now, I'm no longer the only one to show graphic images, but that's kind of been my push to get media to show these images that I think everybody needs to see. Of what? Um, of the violence that's happening there. That that's that specifically the violence that we are a part of there. Because the my goal is to foster a real discussion about U.S. foreign policy, right. which I think has been a misconception among people who have looked at my work. They're like, "Why aren't you showing all the all the sides of the violence?" It's like, well, that's not what? that's not really the purpose. Right. Like, why we live in the United States? Our government is funding bombing and right. supplying Saudi Arabia. With the means to bomb children, children and starve them, right? Yes. So it, that's that. I always find that to be a really weird argument when people are like, "What about the other side?" It's both scientism, but also like, I don't. The Houthis are not are they're not the people we're backing. Right. Like we don't have a say in how they act, right. or what they do, and and it's not to say that they're not engaged in terrible things. It just so happens that we are right. funding and enabling one of these sides. Yeah. Right. And of course, if we were, if Saudi Arabia weren't an ally, if it were an enemy of the United States, we'd be showing these images and All using them the as propaganda. And it actually contrasts a little bit with, um, you know, we were talking about George H.W. Bush dying and how much they vilified Saddam Hussein. And it's not like we're fans of Saddam Hussein. Uh, but it is interesting that, of course, the focus was on how bad he was. And there were a lot of lies about it. And you can be critical of Saddam Hussein and also say the United States lied about him and also say that the Iraq war wasn't a good idea. Right. So, yeah. Right. So tell us about what is happening in Yemen right now. Also, what has happened to your Twitter account? So 
Okay, so those are... Yeah, I know. Those Sorry, are two, actually, before I forget. But so more importantly, like seven what's up with you and Twitter? Yeah. yeah. No, it is no, relevant. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this genocide or And Twitter. or Twitter, yeah. Whichever one you want to prioritize. Oh, God. Both yeah. are crimes against humanity. Mm. Um, you know, so the... Uh, I didn't actually just equate those two. Yeah, I know. For I, everybody yeah, out there. Yeah, he was being um, sarcastic and, and, and making fun of himself, not right. dismissing them. I think it was right. an excellent example of both sidesism. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So uh, in Yemen right now, the United States is providing support to a coalition of Sunni uh, countries as they try to restore the Sunni government of a primarily Sunni but significant large minority of Shia uh, in in Yemen. That sentence kind of worked. And the the regime, the uh, coalition rather, is led by Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Um with support from the United Arab Emirates, which is running prisons in Yemen where they torture people. Right. And the Saudis are are blockading the country. They claim that the blockade has been lifted, but it's effectively still there and the country is starving. There's the It's the world's worst uh, humanitarian crisis, history's worst cholera epidemic. History's worst cholera epidemic. That's a huge deal, okay. It's on the brink of famine and... And 80,000 children have already been starved to death. Yeah, we are complicit in these right. horrific events. And there's an effort right now uh, in the Senate, uh, Resolution 54, SJ, Resolution 54, which would end U.S. support for this coalition. Um, and that's great. Yes. Uh, but it hasn't come up for a vote, and the House might not vote on, on theirs. The, the word on the street is that the House isn't going to vote on their resolution to end U.S. involvement in Yemen. So... It looks like we're going to remain complicit wow. in these in these crimes going forward. And the Republicans, when Ro Khanna introduced, co-introduced, I guess, a bill in, in Congress, in the House, they blocked it by, like, linking it to wolves. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, not making that up. But, um, I never understood how that happened with bills. Like, you've got a bill, and it's like, we want, so we want a bill to stop people from polluting, uh, you know, the gasoline out of their lawnmowers into the sewers. Also, uh... Could we make it so that campaign finance reform doesn't get passed? Like, right. Like, <laughs> how do you conflict? They somehow slip these things in. Yeah, but well, often it's really political. Yeah. Right. I just I, personally, I don't understand how anybody can look at this and be like, "Yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm okay with it." I mean, I I guess the the you know the Saudis are very invested in the United States. They own about five percent of Uber. Wow. Oh, oh, wow. I don't use Uber anyway, but I definitely would stop. Yeah. Well, they, uh, well, so I, nobody knows anything about Yemen. And when I say that, I mean, I don't. (laughs) But uh, that's part of this media blackout. Right. We don't hear anything about Yemen on the news. Yeah. So what you, yeah, MSNBC. The the very, very very short version is the, the Houthis are a Shia sect. They gained power during the Arab Spring. And then in 2015, they overthrew the government, which they accused of corruption and whatnot. Um, and and they made an alliance with the former president, who had been who they'd been protesting against in the in the Arab Spring, and who all these who all the Yemenis were very dissatisfied with. Uh, and so they take over, and immediately Saudi Arabia is like, oh, uh, uh-uh. uh, not not in our backyard. Right, right. No Arab Spring over here, guys. Well, no, not the. This is past the Arab Spring. Yes, this is oh, this, this is, is no no Shia governments in our backyard. Yes, they, and they charged, yes, and <laughs> they said Iran was was uh, 
getting more influence in the region and that the Houthis were just an extension of Iran, which there is some support there, but it's unclear to the extent uh, how much. And so that's basically what started all of this. So regardless of uh, who's at fault, we are throwing gasoline on the fire. Oh, absolutely. By the way, just the wolf thing, I just want to read this one reference. Uh, This is from The Intercept. Uh, in the House of Representatives, the House of Representatives undercut a bipartisan effort to end U.S. involvement in Yemen by sneaking a measure that would kill an anti-war resolution into a vote about wolves. On Tuesday night, this is at the end of November, the Republican-led House Rules Committee voted no, voted to advance the Manage Our Wolves Act, which will remove gray wolves from the endangered species list. The Rules Committee waived all points of order against the bill and voted to advance it to the floor. The catch, Republicans inserted language that would block a floor vote on whether to direct President Donald Trump to end U.S. involvement in the Saudi and UAE-led intervention in Yemen. The intervention has been highly destructive, flattening homes, roads, markets, hospitals, and schools, and leading to the world's largest humanitarian crisis. On Wednesday evening, the House approved the rule 201 to 187, largely on party lines, successfully blocking a key vote on the Yemen resolution. Um, and in September, Ro Khan, a friend of the show, introduced the Yemen resolution, which would have directed the Trump administration to remove U.S. forces from hostilities related to the Saudi-led intervention. Because it invoked the 1973 War Powers Act, Khan's resolution was privileged, quote-unquote privileged, under House rules, meaning it could bypass a committee vote and, barring any interference from the powerful rules committee, get a vote on the floor. The Republican gambit caused Khanna's resolution to be stripped of its privileged status, meaning that it did not come up for a vote on its own. If the Yemen measure had come up for a vote, it would have been the first time a chamber of Congress, which is notorious for avoiding votes on issues of war and peace, took an up-down vote that could end U.S. involvement in the conflict in Yemen. So I think another reason it's hard to follow is because it's really complicated. Like, I've asked so many people what is happening in Yemen with the vote, and it's really hard to explain. It, oh, it's, it's incredibly difficult to explain. Yeah. And uh, the... But Bernie Sanders intro- co-introduced, right? He sponsored a... He, he did, and they voted, they voted to give it a vote. Yeah, so that and was so- a huge deal. And even if it doesn't pass, that's a huge deal. It is. It is a huge deal. It would be um, better if we stopped supporting bombing, though. Of right. Course. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Although I, you know, you got the, the procedural stuff. Actually, getting stuff done. I mean, if you know, if you're a Democrat. Right. That 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 should satisfy you. No. Um, and tell us what has happened to your Twitter account and what it's what it's called, also. So okay, so let's go back to okay, like yeah. July uh, of. La- or this past July, there's an article that comes out in Fair. I hope I'm getting the month right. Um, that says the which is a great M- website. MSNBC hadn't hasn't covered Yemen in a year. It was by Adam Johnson, um, friend of the show. I and I, I messaged him on on Twitter the other day and I said, hey, you you know this article really yeah was sort of a turning point for me and like did he get you back to you? Yeah, yeah. Good. So um, anyway, I read the article and was like, what am I missing? And so I went and just typed in Yemen on Twitter and started seeing all of these horrible things, the most horrible things I have ever seen, ever. Um, and there was one video in particular where uh, people were digging bodies out of out of rubble from an airstrike that the U.S. had sponsored. And the one of the bodies that they bring, most of them are children, but one of them in particular, they bring it out and it's just a, this limp, 
obviously dead child. And right. it was the worst thing I have I'd ever seen. And it's funny, not it's not funny, but it's interesting. Remember that image of the dead Syrian boy? Right. That was all over. Oh yeah. But all over I the mean media. this and And this that's is, also tragic. I'm not like yeah, Oh, it's yeah. it's horrible, but this is this is there's something about There's no but there's no coverage of this. And everyone saw that child who was washed up washed in from the sea. Right. The yes, and the attack, the attack that that the, from the the video that I saw was from the previous August. I think it was my birthday actually. Wow. Um, so that kind of pro- propelled me into this this uh, frenzy of finding all of these images, making connections uh, with within Yemen, and and kind of curating this uh, collection of images, which I did then post in a, in a paste article. Um, but I started a, a move, like a this effort called Operation Desanitize, and that was that is meant to push American media to show graphic images um, from these conflicts. And so we have the official account, which posts these images and posts the attack and you know the details right. and calls out people who are tied to the coalition, mm-hmm. companies, organizations, and. Uh, Senators who don't vote to end U.S. Right. involvement. Uh, Twitter suspended us the other day. Um, and we appealed the decision. We said, we know we don't use your filter. We know that that technically violates your rules, but this is why we're doing it. Twitter has this uh, safety feature on it, which if you engage their sensitive image filter, it will, every time you post a tweet with an image or anything, it'll block the whole tweet and you're and your followers have to click it to see. Right. I see. Okay. And so we thought that was kind of obscene for these images because this is the reality right. of and life. Right. want people to be so many to it. people. Right. Like, why should they have to go through that extra layer? Why should they have to censor themselves? Uh, and why should we censor what mm-hmm. we are doing? Right. Um, so we sent an appeal, and Twitter sent us back a message that said, "Hey, you guys aren't in violation of the rules wow. after all." Yeah. So it was great. Wow, three days, Jack, Jack. Three days later, we log on and uh, we're locked for the same tweets that had been up before our suspension, which we are then told are in violation of the rules. And so now we're just in this kind of limbo where they're like, you can you can be unlocked, but you have to delete the, the but posts. But how could they? So they're going back on their word? That's what it seems. Okay. Uh, and so we're not going to back down from those tweets because they are accurate. They, well, maybe we should start another one which does do that modified thing just so people can see them, even if it's an extra step. Well, there are many journalists who put the filter on themselves. And and so you can see this information if you just follow uh, a number of, of journalists right. who I've been pushing for some time. Yeah. Uh, and the hashtag, what's the hashtag that you guys use? OptiSanitize. And that's the Twitter. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it on my account. I don't, I'll do it with the, with the filter on it. You could, but that'll filter. I mean, all of your tweets, presumably. Oh, yeah, you so put, this it goes is the, on the whole. This account. is the problem that that Twitter doesn't have a way to pinpoint this. Like, you can't select which tweets you do it on. There is something. I mean, there is something to be said for for uh, triggering people. Right. But at the same time, like, there's no other option. It's either all or nothing. Right. So we, this really needs to change. And frankly, uh, Twitter's decision is purely editorial. It is. It's prioritizing um, American sensibilities over the real lives that people in Yemen are living. The 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 horrible stuff that they're dealing with, and that is just to me 
reeks of ethnocentrism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, thought. Right. Imagine if this were happening in the... I mean, I, I'm saying the obvious, but imagine if this were happening in the United States. Like, and people were like, can you put a trigger warning on? I mean, I, I don't think you need a trigger warning to post pictures of 9-11. That's a good point, yeah. So why do you need a trigger... Why do you need to put the filter on to post right. pictures from Yemen? Nationalism, American exceptionalism, like you said, yeah. Super exceptional. Yeah. So the the, the path forward, I think, uh, is is working with organizations and groups. We got um, Move On to make a video with some of these images that were that we wow. featured in Paste, um, and we are happy to send them out to anybody else. Uh, we've been talking to various journalists and and. Um, other people, uh, important people who I don't want to, you know, blow up right now, but, um, metaphorically, metaphorically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the path forward for now. And hopefully Twitter will reverse its decision. And if they don't, we'll have to consider the next steps. So two questions, um, for you that we got from Twitter and then we'll, um, so I put out, if anyone had questions for you, and someone, um, Abo Ragad20112 said, My question for Dear Walker Bragman, is there a positive reaction to the injustice of Yemen under the Saudi-American aggression four years ago by the American people, or are many still in the trap of disinformation? And then someone asked, um, oh no, this is just a hater. Okay, so that's the, yeah. So what's your, um... <laughs> I mean, I think that the Khashoggi, the the murder of Khashoggi was actually the major silver lining of that is that now people are paying it, more attention. It did refocus everything. Um, I mean, granted, I I don't know why our media prioritizes the life of one journalist over thousands right. and thousands and thousands and right. thousands and thousands. Well, of, that's of, actually a really strong argument for why it's so upsetting and. Um, it's actually like Twitter has blood on its hands because when people hear about visceral, disgusting stories like someone being chainsawed to death um, and dismembered and hacked in an embassy, it changes the conversation and people's opinion right. in a way that numbers don't. Like you hear that 80, over 80,000 children have been starved to death in Yemen. That is upsetting. But if you were forced to see the images of these starving skeletal children... You that would cause a shift also. Right, and that's been our whole point that that this is necessary because right. people need to be shocked awake. I mean, during the Vietnam era, you exactly. saw burned children. You right. saw you saw people dying, being murdered. Yeah, and you don't anymore. And you really you just want to highlight one. You just got it. You, you don't just even have to show really forty thousand. You yeah. don't have to show eighty thousand. You just got to have one Twitter account from one one live tweet of a starving child. Yeah. But it's not. I mean, the, star, the starving children are. It's it's awful. It's, yeah. It's uh, horrifying, but it's worse. The images that we we ran, uh, which uh, the the per, gentleman who asked the question is a spokesman for the Houthi Ministry of oh, okay. of uh, Public Health, and uh, the images that that we were that we managed to get show children with their heads. Blown. Oh, I mean, I don't know if you've right. looked at that article. I. Uh, no, I will. I will we can link to it on the. On it's the page ve- it's hard to. Right. It's difficult, and I mean, there are videos of dead children. I mean, it's. 
That's horrifying. I don't know how that doesn't move people more than right. hearing about Khashoggi getting right. brutally well, murdered. Because they don't and it was see awful. it. Because they, they don't see it. That's why I think well, it doesn't. I also wonder how many people cared about Khashoggi and how it's more amplified because it's journalists talking about a journalist. Like, oh, that's interesting. Like, like that moved the, it, the media to cover it more. Right. So the media was much more right. upset than right. uh, people really are. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's like... They're, they're not colleague. to say that it's a... It's not murder is not terrible, but I kind yes. of haven't prioritized his his murder over any other murders. Right, that's a really good point because people keep saying a Washington Post journalist, right? Right, and I think it does. It speaks to the kind of brazen nature of what happened. Yes, and it's surprising, not the moral thing. That's not surprising. Nothing. I mean, Saudi Arabia is a horrendous human rights violating. Uh, regime, right. but it's surprised, somewhat surprising that they would do that for PR reasons, which is similar to how it's surprising that Donald Trump admitted that we weren't doing anything about Syria because they were buy- paying us a lot of money. We know that's the truth, but it's surprising he said that. Not so surprising for him, but it's a departure. Like as we were saying, no other president say that. And then on kind of similar note, like we know that Saudi Arabia doesn't care about people's lives at all. <laughs> Um, I mean the government. Sorry, I'm not yeah. making like a. But why? Why would? Thing. Why? Why would the government worry about doing something like this? We've given guess, them. Yeah, we right. gave them the green light. Like they they bombed forty kids in a school bus, and then afterwards we were like, "You guys can conduct your own investigation." Right. right. And then after that, they killed more civilians, and we were like, "We're you know right. we're okay." Right. MBS like we gave him the green light so many times that he was shocked that we cared. Right. Right. Because right. he didn't think of Khashoggi as an American citizen or Khashoggi as a journalist for the Washington Post. He thought of him as a dissident member of Saudi a Saudi Arabian citizen who right. was aligned with the other another faction in his own government that right. he was trying to purge. Right. So who cares? Right. Like that's one more egg that you gotta break to make the perfect MBS omelet. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the Saudi equivalent of an omelet is. Yeah. MBS by the way is Mohammed bin Salman. Just shout out uh, to anybody that hasn't been paying attention to I know to the well Saudi not G- Gabe loves issue. chastising our listeners. He's always like look it up on Wikipedia <laughs> if you don't know. Yeah. But um by the way, one of the best things that came out this year, the best moments, I think, on Democracy Now! was when Norman Finkelstein said that Thomas Friedman's coverage of um, MBS was like a protracted blowjob. <laughs> so shout out for Norman Finkelstein for speaking the truth. And this does remind me, by the way, of how they stopped showing body bags, remember, during the Vietnam War. They wouldn't let the media show them for similar reasons. It's to keep a war, the support for well, a war going. Well, it's because and, they, they, got, they got so... Uh, Cronkite's coverage was so controversial. They right. got blamed for losing right. the war. Right, yeah, so exactly. Just, yeah. Ever since, it's been constricted. Well, well, Walker, we have to have you back on again. And where can people find you online? Well, uh, for now, Twitter. Which is? (laughs) Just at Walker Bragman. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Great. Rabia Altabani came to America when her family emigrated from Yemen in 1985. She's lived in Brooklyn and Queens ever since. And she's built a career in the nonprofit housing sphere. She's also done work around civil rights. She's rigorously opposed the travel ban which affects millions of people, including her husband, Bashir Othman, who was unable to join her in the U.S., although that changed, as you'll see in the interview. And you can follow her on Twitter at R-A-B-Y-A-A-H-A-H-M-E-D. Now, this interview that I did with Rabia was done the day that Bernie Sanders' resolution um, moved forward. 
So it's still really relevant, though, because she talks about Yemen and the resolution, the importance of, of it. I'm sort of like now debating with a bunch of my Yemeni comrades and activists and people on all sorts of sides about what's happening. But yeah. I've, I've been really sort of really optimistically cautious. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, especially since the Khashoggi, um, you know, murder. Um, a lot of us were like, well, hey, people are, you know, finally starting to pay attention to what's happening in Yemen, and it's not just people or activists that are that are already sort of aware of what's happening, but um, now politicians are like, oh wow, okay, so he murdered a journalist. What can? How can we punish him? Right. Let's um, let's um, let's you know maybe Yemen, and I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, maybe Khashoggi was not. Um, and I wrote some. Yeah, or- he was not killed in vain. I agree, but I. But, but you know, I, and I have to say this, and I said this, and a lot of people were like, well, Robbie, it's not the time to say it. This is what's happening right now. People are paying attention. We need to just, you know, like sort of like beat the drums and like, um, and yeah, Yemen, 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 because that's sort of something that nobody's paid attention to for the past four years now. Right. Literally, we've been screaming so loud. We've been trying. We've been, oh, my God, like there is a real conflict. We are you know, we're part of this conflict, and um, only until this happened with Khashoggi that finally people started paying attention, and politicians started speaking up, and it's like, wow, okay, all right, well, if it's, you know, um, I'll take that. I'll right. take it, you know? Yeah. It's really so complicated. It's not that complicated. It's, it's, it's the left right now. Here, here it is. Three groups in Yemen. You've got the Houthis, right? Mm-hmm. We know that what everybody's saying is like, oh, the Houthis are uh, being, you know, supported by Iran, although that's been disputed. But, yeah, there is some sort of Iranian support. We're not saying they're not. They're a militia. They're controlling the country that, you know, that used to be at one point. Uh, we, we, we were a very dysfunctional uh, democracy, but we were a republic, right? Now we're, now we're like, controlled by uh, a militia that is really uh, very religious, very ideologically driven, right? That's uh-huh. the Houthis, right? And then you've got these two major groups in Yemen, the uh, Al-Islah, which is uh, the Yemeni version of the Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. In the West, we know more of the uh, the Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt, right? Right. So in Yemen, we have Al-Islah, which is sort of the Muslim Brotherhood of Yemen, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, who are now actually in um, the, the, the president, uh, the exiled president of Yemen, Hadi, who the Saudi support uh, as part of the Islah party, right? Okay. So he's in Saudi Arabia, right? So that's a, these two groups, and then you've got a third group, which is uh, two more groups, but the third group is the you've got the separatist movement in the south, um, and this has been an issue for a while um, that they just want to secede from the north, and that they're they've been they feel that they've been abused, and that they for and, and it's true, you know, um, for a very long time, and they're called self determination. Um, and then you have the leftists in Yemen, and they're highly educated. Many of them come from the city of Taiz. Um, and if anybody could tell you about Yemen history, all major um, sort of like uh, radical ideas come from the city of Taiz, where all these leftists are at the beginning of even the Republic of Yemen. Okay. Um, it used to be a kingdom. Um, so the left in Yemen are like, yeah, they're definitely against this sort of like Saudi um, indiscriminate bombardment of innocent civilians and all what's happening. But they're also 
they also don't want to be ruled by uh, a, a, a religious ideologically um, sort of like Shia-aligned militia like the Houthis, right? Mm. Um, and so it's it's not so easy. This conflict is not black and white. Um, but I also believe that let's talk about the U.S. I'm an Amer- I'm Yemeni American, right? Mm-hmm. I my my parents are from Yemen, but I've been here all my life. So I am a Yemeni American activist, right? Mm-hmm. What do I care? I care about where my tax dollars go. I care about the suffering of, and, and I, I I probably come from sort of like a. Uh, 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 an impartial position has been out here in the West and, 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 and can see the conflict from like far right. and not be so. I, I'm not in a, a camp, even though I most of my friends in the U.S. are either with the Houthis or Islam or 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 the 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 left, right? Right. Uh, because I I I truly believe that there is no military solution to this conflict. Mm-hmm. There never was. There never will be. Right. And we all know that with any conflict, no matter how much they've killed and whatever, at the end of the day, everybody has to come to the table and negotiate. They will never get rid of the Houthi movement. They are part of Yemen. They're Yemenis at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. they're there. Right. You're never going to get rid of al Islah, which is the, um, the again, the Muslim, the, the Muslim Brotherhood. Right. You know. uh, you're never going to get rid of al Islah, Right. So they are going to be there to stay. You're never going to get rid of the left in Yemen or the separatist movement. You know, these are these are parties that are part of a conflict, and they are they have to be given the same sort of like a, you know um, they have to be at the table. They have to. They all have to come to the table together. Um, and I know that. Wait, sorry, one question. Do you have a laptop, by the way? Just because it's it's the sound isn't great. Um, is it? Oh, do you have a laptop? I, no, I have an iPad, but I don't. That's okay. I, I don't have it set up at all. That's fine. So we don't, my we don't la- need okay, it. here's my laptop. I have a Mac, oh. but I spilled whiskey on it. Oh, okay. Well, if it works at all, it's very easy. <laughs> That's really funny, by the way. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. This is. It's been two weeks. I'm so sorry. No, don't, don't worry. Know. I have to fix my Mac because the files are overflowing. Uh, don't worry about that. We can. This is fine. I just wanted, if, okay. if possible, I wanted it clearer, but this is fine. Are you sitting in the place with the best uh, reception? Yeah, I am in okay. my room. And I'm, let me close the door. But so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's. I know and I realize this is not, um, a con- a, you know, an easy, um, like, sort of black and white conflict that, that we can resolve overnight. Right. It, it, it's years and years, you know, first right after the Arab Spring and without it, 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 it's a long, sort of like a 10 year history that led us to this, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I do not want, you know, while, while, as long as we're selling weapons to the, the Saudis, but we're going beyond selling weapons, we are refueling um, warplanes. Um, right. That, that are part of the air bombardment campaign, right? We are giving intel on targets to the Saudis. We are very much part of the war. We're not just selling weapons to the Saudis. Right. The U.S. is very much actively part of this war. And this is a war that was never uh, authorized by Congress. Right. And so why the hell are we part of this disaster? I mean, millions of people are on the brink of starvation. Just last year, I mean, I think the the latest in the past few years, the latest uh, stats on how many children have died from starvation alone because of the um, the Saudi air, sea, and 
sort of like, um, like you know, uh, cutting off Yemen from the world. Right. You embargo had or blockade. The embargo, the blockade. Yeah, yeah the Saudi blockade on Yemen. Um, Eighty-five thousand. Right. Children starved to death. Died. Right? Starved. Starved. Thousands and thousands have died because of the um, air bombardment. Right. I am not here trying to justify the Houthis. The Houthis have to be put in place. They've got to know that they cannot. There is, you know, the Houthis are also, and I'm not, you see, this is it. And I feel conflicted to the Yemeni. Like, I know the Houthis are not good for Yemen. I know that they've also committed war crimes. I know that they are putting journalists in jail and torturing, um, you know, anyone that opposes them. I know all of that. But the majority of the pain and suffering that the Yemenis are going through is because of the Saudis. Right. Right. Yeah, of course. General, I mean, yeah. yeah. Doesn't everyone though, on like from liberal to left to the Rand Paul, whatever you want to call them, ISIL, I mean, that's. I think, I think they all agree. Yeah, they all agree. We all know that. Right. That's the only right the the people who don't agree are I mean the, are the people who like you were saying because of the weapon sales. Um, and the yeah, people who don't agree. Yeah. The people who don't agree on the fact are the people that are benefiting directly from the Saudis. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is not that we all know that. Right. We we all can disagree on, oh, okay, you know, maybe, you know, on the Houthis, yeah, they came in. They, you know, we can disagree on the small, these, they're not small details, but like the other, but we can, but, but the majority of deaths, and, and we think about the statistics, and if you look at all these independent reports that have come out, the um, the main culprit in all of this are the Saudis. Right, this of course, yeah. something that they cannot dispute, you know. Right. Um, and they know it and they know when they speak about it. But um, but then again, it's uh, what I'm talking to you right now. I'm just thinking about all like how these other folks um, that are very much. Um, uh, how do you say have been paying attention to what's happening in Yemen with like it's 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 not it's not so simple. But today See, I'm celebrating. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you are frustrated tell me if this is right it seems like you're frustrated that it took the murder of someone who is oh, saudi to shed to kind of pe- make people look at what was happening to yemenis and that you don't feel like they in themselves were getting the attention that they deserved or that crisis in itself is that right definitely i um i'm i'm frustrated yes of course um at the same time, it's like, okay, you know, it's it's sad. It really is. Um, but maybe also because of how Khashoggi was killed and the details and, and the barbarity and all of that, that, right. you know, a lot of times we do connect with that. Of course, that yeah. Sort of one, that one individual and we sort of put ourselves in that um, when it comes to like, oh, well, you have numbers. Yeah, we've got 10,000. Yemenis up until now, and even probably more that have been killed, right? Uh, blown to pieces, but but yeah, but the I news doesn't it, cover it, barely covers it. No, it doesn't. So, well, yeah. well, yeah, rarely ever covers it. Definitely, Khashoggi's death has like been wow right. everywhere, and rightly so because it was so barbaric. Right. And the, the Saudi council and how how dare they? Right. How could they? You know, and and that's because we've enabled them for so long. Right. And I'm, by the way, this is not just the Republicans in power. This has been going on for a very long time. Our relationship with the Saudis has been along all party lines the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 all about money and oil. Right. And who the hell cares about anything else? You know, right. As, Even though Saudi Arabia plays a very important part on, uh, you know, in, 
in geopolitical, like, right. geopolitics in the Middle East. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's funny. It's like, uh, as Trump made clear the other day, right? He didn't even... It, I had oh, yeah. A, it, yeah. He, you know what it is about Trump? Trump just has no filters. Right. No, yeah. He was, tell, he was telling the truth in this case. He just doesn't care. Like He doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, and people respond and to said, that. They like that, a lot of his supporters. They do. A yeah. lot of his supporters are. But, but, but yeah, like, Trump's, what Trump is saying, many politicians before them, whether they're Democrats or, or presidents before him, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, have said in other ways. Okay. Right. And they've always been very, very much um, besides the Saudis and everything they've done. Yeah, they were just more coded about it. Coded. That's exactly it. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, just trying to think, when was the, I don't know if the Saudis have actually ever done something as crazy as this, but yeah, 9 11 was one, right? Right, yeah. Come on. Yeah, and then they were ushered out, right? Flown out of the country? They were flown. Are you kidding me? You. I I believe there was a cover up that the U.S. was a part of and involved with when it came to the Saudi involvement in 9/11, mm-hmm. and and I don't think that's something that is far fetched. Right, conspiracy theory. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you have 15 of the pilots or the the terrorists that attacked 9/11, Saudi from Saudi Arabia, like that tells you everything. Right. And then there was like. The Saudis, as if they had nothing to do with this, and were just going to go and randomly attack Iraq, who had nothing to do with this. Like, bullshit. Right. Um, but then again, I, I, I think... It, it, I, I'll tell you why I'm happy tonight and why I'm celebrating. First of all, we've been fighting for this for four years, right? Yeah. Um, but this is the first time since, I think, 1942 that the Senate actually allowed for this sort of vote on the uh, War Powers Act. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a big deal, right? It's 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 it didn't happen with Iraq. It didn't happen with Afghanistan. I am hoping tomorrow they're gonna. I I think tomorrow evening they should there should be a vote on the uh, on the on the floor. Thursday but I, evening, I think, right? yeah, I, so, yeah. But I think I really think that it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna pass. It's gonna go. I mean, you've got this is not just like a this is not a close vote. You know, this is really bipartisan and. And it's it gives me hope. Um, I know that there's a lot. It's not gonna end the war right away, or it's not. I know there's gotta be next step. What's gonna happen after we? And I hope, and let me knock on wood. After they vote tomorrow, right? right. <laughs> what 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 should? What what? I'm hoping that in two years, and I'm hoping that it should end before two years. But I'm hoping that we that the Democrats will. Um, we already have the House, right? But then by 2020, that if, I'm just hoping, and I, and I think it can happen. And we just want we just flip two red seats here in freaking Brooklyn, which is crazy, Staten Island. And yeah, if you flip Staten Island, then there's yeah. a good there's a good like you know projection of what happens in the country that we also will take back the um, the White House and we'll take back the Senate. Mm. I really am optimistic. Um, only because I've, I've been like driving myself crazy for the past God knows what um, when it comes to um, local and national politics and just organizing the Arab and Yemeni American community. Right. Um, and I just, you know, wh- one of the things that people don't realize that Yemeni Americans in the U.S., um, 
I would say more than 90% or whatever, the majority of them are here. And I hate to use the word legally or illegally, but legally they're here. uh, They're either American citizens or um, green card holders. But we literally, at this point with the Muslim ban, have no, our our passports mean nothing. Mm. Our status means literally nothing. So they are facing, they are, okay, they're facing this war in Yemen. They are trying to bring their loved ones here, their babies, their wives, their, you know, mothers. And, um, and they can't. Right. And so, and so we're like, we're going to ban you, even though you have a constitutional right to have your child live with you in the U.S., okay? But we're going to ban you and support the Saudis at the same time and make it much harder for you to live in your own country. Right. You know, so yeah. there's, there's just, they're facing so much pain and suffering on so many fronts. There's no embassy in Yemen. The majority of my friends have their family members stressed throughout the world. I had to share like in, in Malaysia for two years. Yeah. Can you talk you about know? that, that your, your story with um, the Muslim ban Bashir, and, and, yeah. Yeah. and who, who is Bashir, yeah. by the way, for yeah, our Bashir, listeners? Well, Bashir is a, a leftist, right? Right. <laughs> he's a, 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 he's a renowned journalist. He's, he's your what though? He's my husband. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like so, tell, yeah. Well, so Bashir and I married, um, what happened was that he escaped. Um, the majority of his friends had to leave Yemen at that point. It was um, in 2015 and 2016. It was very difficult. 2015 was the beginning of the air bombardments and the war um, in Yemen, although the Houthis were already in control by 2014. But 2015, um, December, Bashir had to escape and leave Yemen because journalists um, were being attacked uh, from all ends, whether it's the Houthis or radical Islamists or and especially independent um, leftist writers, you know. Um, and so he, he had to just literally, like, escape the country and leave. Um, and, 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 he's, and I met, uh, met up with him in um, Goa, India. In January of 2016, we got married in January of 2016. Um, I spent about a month there. It was the most beautiful country, by the way. Beautiful part of India. Yeah, I've heard um, <laughs> yeah. It's and not then, all partying. I mean, there's like the party so side, but then there's also like beautiful yeah. side, right? It's beautiful and it's party. Yeah, it's just such a and it's so spiritual at the same time. It's mm. so cool. It's great. And so I I came back to the U.S. and I petitioned for him, right? Here I am, an American citizen, you know, my family have, you know, have contributed to the greatness of this country. Right. You know, or owners, or business owners, employed people, or like my, two of my cousins are ex-Marines, or wow. like, you know, we're Americans, right? And, and then there's a Muslim ban, right? Right. So then, um, about, you know, if it was regular times or without this Muslim ban, it would take about eight months to a year to bring him here, right? Regularly. This is not true for all cases, but anyways. When Trump... Yeah, yeah, typical. And then, but when Trump... um, I think that was the first thing that he did, like, within the first week or two weeks, um, when he took, you know, when he took office, and he... he, That was the first thing, the first line of business. I'm going to um, ban... All these, you know, innocent people from entering this country, right. and not one person from any of these countries has ever committed a terrorist attack on uh, uh, on American soil. Um, 
and yet we're going to ban them, right? Right. And so I found myself in like limbo, like, oh my God, I, I, I've, I've never felt so helpless and hopeless in my life. I was like, I, I am the sort of person that worshipped um, the American Constitution. Mm-hmm. I believed that I had an innate right. I, I'm, I have a, a, a one of, I had a double major, and my second major I had uh, political science, and my second was like government and history, American mm. history. And I believed in our, you know, even with all our, you know, um, three shortcomings and and yeah, we were still this is a country of institutions, and I'm mm. an American. I truly, you know, and I, I, my God, I was faced with this like, am I really an American? Mm. What does it really mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean? I can't, I have, my constitutional rights are being, like, they, they're just being trampled on by my own president. Right. And um, and my own government. And so it was so difficult for me. I, and then, of course, I turned it into activism. And, you know, for the past few years, that's all we've been doing. Um, and then, and then I sort of feel I'm one of the lucky ones because up until now, if you've been following, you know, the Muslim ban is still there. It's been upheld by our Supreme Court, the Supreme Court that's always been on the wrong side of history, by the way. Um, And, and, and here I am like, well, I was lucky enough to have the State Department issue a a waiver from Trump's ban. So I Mm. sort of defeated that, but I, uh, I sort of defeated Trump's Muslim ban, but I, I live with this survival guilt. Mm, Yeah. Because so many people around me that I know, I don't think I know any Yemeni family that does not have a loved one that they're separated from, Mm. that are going through so much emotional, financial pain right now. And these are American citizens. Right. So, and this is why I I keep telling people, you know, you got to think about what Yemenis are going through, not just through the lens of, well, there's a distant war out there, but you've got so many Yemeni Americans in this country that are like really, really um, going through pain and, and, and just, just struggling yeah. with what's happening, you know, with family members not even being able to go back to Yemen. And some of them are in Yemen. And there's stories where some had been forced to go back and killed and they were killed because of, uh, you know, in the, in the conflict. Yeah. Do you have any and family just, members there now? Oh, I do. I do. Yes, I do. Um, I have many family members that are living outside of Yemen right now, uh, but I also have many, many in the capital city of Sana'a and Taiz and in, in, in Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of family members out there. It's not easy. And My it? father right now, I think, supports at least 20 family families, not family members, families wow. in Yemen right now. Yeah. Wow. And um, what are they going through? I mean, what are they, t- what are, have you been in uh, contact with them? Yes, yes, we're in contact. So my 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 uncle, the only uncle that's still that's you know that sort of never left Yemen, never immigrated, um, lived in Taiz. He's lived there all his life, and Taiz is the second largest city in in, in Yemen. Again, Taiz, I told you, is this leftist hub and this great cultural center, and um, and the. I, the, the, the the worst conflicts and and and, and actually uh, uh, the, 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 the the pain and the deaths and all the major um, conflicts have been happening in and around Taiz because 
because of that's where a lot of the parties sort of like, well, this is where it all started, you know? Um, and so my uncle was forced to leave his home. Our entire neighborhood, we had homes over there that were completely destroyed. This is a beautiful country. My God, if you, if you just see whether it's Sana'a, the capital city of Sana'a, or Adan, uh, or uh, Ib, or the great city of Taz, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. One of the most beautiful islands, Qatar, wow. in the world. Um, and it's, you know, can you imagine for four years, air and night, air bombardments? And the majority of damage... Um, uh, to whether it's ancient, beautiful buildings or the infrastructure or just lives has come from the Saudi air bombardment. Right. It has not come from the Houthis or any other party. Yeah. That's part of the conflict in Yemen. It's come from the Saudi um, air bombardment. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what... So so what will this... Isn't this, this um, resolution a great first step? I'm... Yes. Oh, my God, yes, it is. It is, because how can we? Look, I I really truly believe that we can play a pivotal role in um, pushing all parties towards peace, right? I, yeah. I believe that. The U.S. can. But we cannot do that. We can't go anywhere near being an impartial partner in this peace deal. If we are refueling airplane, warplanes, if we're um, giving the Saudis again intel, um, um, targets, if we are selling them weapons, if we we are part of the problem, right. how can we, you know, in all um, sort of like just, you know, call for all parties to come to the table and just try it. Hello? And Sorry, I, you cut out after <laughs> try. Oh, yes. Uh, so I'm just saying that how can we um, play this important role, which I truly believe we can play, um, and getting all these groups to come together to the negotiating table and finally getting closer to some sort of peace deal um, or agreement if we are, again, um, very much part of this war and on one side, which is the Saudi side. We can't do it. Right. And and so I, I think this is a great step. I am hoping, and you know what, because the, the vote has been it's like 67 to what, 30-something? It's it's it looks good, right? And yeah. so I'm very hopeful that tomorrow that when they go that it's going to stay that way, um, and at least that will send a very strong signal and message, whether Trump likes it or not, to the Saudis. Mm. You got to get your act together. You've got to rethink um, your approach to this conflict, and they need to do something about MBS. MBS is such a Oh, I can't even get to that. If I get into the speaking prince or this, I don't even, it pisses me off so much. He is, he's the cancer of the Middle East. He's played such a horrible role for the past two years, three years, yeah. not two years. It's It's been horrible. Yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, beloved, right? By like Tom, Thomas, um, sorry, by, well, what? Uh, what's his name? Who, which one? Uh, Trump to me? No, the, the, the. The New York Times columnist. I'm so tired. Oh, I can't God. remember. Friedman? Yeah, Tom Friedman. Yeah. He's such a freaking idiot. I know. Friedman is so irrelevant and stupid. And oh, God, it's, he's a joke. He's a joke. Has he written anything recently? No, but he's know. been a joke for forever. <laughs> ben Norton has a funny line about him. He says he says um, he's a New York Times columnist who begins every column with um, he's a New York Times writer who begins all of his columns with so. I love Ben. Yeah, I know. It's really funny. 
It's true. It's true. He's, he's <laughs> my God. Every time I see that there's like a new, like, um, uh, you know, article, whatever he's written on the middle, so I'm like, why? Why are they so? Ugh. Anyways, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see what he has to say about this, uh, the murder of Khashoggi and how he can, I don't know. I don't even care. He, yeah. He's irrelevant. He, right. And I think a lot of people that have common sense or like that know what's going on. Like they, they, they just dismiss him. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I think that like you were saying, I think, you know, there was something to the gruesome nature of the murder. It doesn't, it's not worse than the killing of innocent children, but I do think that it is, we've, we're so desensitized to war and there's yeah, so few images. I mean, we don't see images yeah. until lately we started seeing them. And we don't have yeah. those narratives, you know, like the stories about the lies yeah. about Saddam Hussein pulling kids yeah. off of incubators, which isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes no, I agree sense with you. that this I, is something. Yeah. I mean, for better. I understand. It, you know what it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of um, when, like, well, no, this is different because that's racism, what I'm about to say. But it's it, it, the parallel is that it may not be the best route, but the effect is good. So like when sometimes people will complain that with the with the opioid epidemic or heroin, they're like, oh, now mm-hmm. people care because it's white people. And yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. But right. hopefully the the you know, and we don't even treat it that well. But so I agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree. And it makes sense. Like, yeah, you're right. Uh, we needed that narrative. We needed that that right. gruesome image in our mind to be like, oh my God, I, I've seen and I've heard so many stories about hundreds and thousands of Yemenis being killed, right? right. But Khashoggi's death really grappled me, like it got my attention, and I'm like, oh my God, and the fact that they thought that they were so above the law and above everything that they could get this guy to come to their council, the Saudi consulate, and just commit this heinous crime in their own consulate is just unfucking believable. Right. Yeah. You really know, disgusting, like yeah. How, the audacity. And right. it, it's because they've been emboldened and they've got, gotten away with so much, you know, yeah. that they thought that they could do anything. And the fact that, They've had this sort of like um, reaction to this. I'm glad. I'm yes. I, I I told you all that stuff about how you know Khashoggi was not like a yeah he was not a human rights advocate. He was he had yeah, his but own, you don't wish his, you know whatever yeah. But he was still he he at the end of the day he came out here he wanted to be uh, I guess more vocal and he he had the right to speak his mind regardless of what it is. Right. You don't murder someone. Oh, no, I mean he could be the worst. You. I mean he could be the biggest prick in the world. It doesn't matter. I agree with like, you. Completely. Yeah, right. You it's could disgusting. Be the, a murderer. Of course. You could yeah. Be a serial, whatever. Your right yeah. to free speech. It's it a is. disgusting this thing. Is thing that I happened, obviously. But yeah. free speech is like, and then to 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 try to justify it, and a lot of, and this was the narrative that came out of the Trump administration and from the Saudis and other apologists that, oh yeah, this man was he's this, he was that, but no, nothing justifies it at all. Yeah. yeah, nothing does. And you know what? I tell this to a lot of my friends that are activists, and we're like, you know what? This is going to garner attention around Yemen. Hell yeah, we're going to take advantage of it. Why not? Yeah, of course. Yeah. When 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 you've had thousands and thousands of Yemenis like murdered every day. It's just because there's no narrative and there's no coverage. You know, okay, so now they're paying attention. They need to know what's happening in this country. And you know what? Look at what's happened today. I'm knocking on wood. I'm hoping that they will vote tomorrow the right way. And this is the first step. It's still a long struggle, but it is a, a really good step 
positive step that we fought for for so long. There is no, there is no military solution to the war in Yemen. The only solution, and there's no military solution to anything ever. Right. Ever. Thanks so much for listening to Katie Halper Show. See you next week. You can find us on iTunes, where you got to rate and review us. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Follow us on Twitter. That's KT Halps, letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. Gabe underscore Pacheco. Thank you. Bye.